Hi, my name is John Torpy, and I'm director of the Ralph Bunch Institute for International Studies at the Graduate Center of the City University of New York. Welcome to International Horizons, a podcast of the Ralph Bunch Institute that addresses a range of issues of significance around the world. Today's topic is the economic consequences of the coronavirus pandemic in Germany. We're fortunate to have with us today Torben Albrecht, who was most recently a commissioner at the International Labor Organization, the ILO, and a member of the ILO's Global Commission on the Future of Work, as well as the National Executive Director of the Social Democratic Party in Germany. From 2014 to 2018, he was Permanent State Secretary in the German Federal Ministry of Labor and Social Affairs. As State Secretary, he was a member of the German government's IT Council and of the Digital Agenda Steering Group. In short, he has extensive experience in policymaking with regard to the future of work. He joins us today from Berlin. Thank you for joining us today, Mr. Albrecht. I'd also like to thank the Friedrich Ebert Foundation for its assistance in making possible today's conversation. The staff at the Washington, D.C. office was instrumental in making this podcast with Torben Albrecht possible. So thank you once again, Torben Albrecht, for joining us today for uh, International Horizons. And why don't we just start right in with the first question. Uh, what have been the effects of the coronavirus on the German economy? What's it been like? And what do you think will be the impact of the coronavirus crisis on employment in Germany and Europe? Yes. Thank you, John. And thank you for having me on the podcast. Um, as in all countries, I think the um, effects of the coronavirus crisis are severe on employment. Um, and there will be changes, uh, of course, in the short term and also some changes uh, in the long term. In the short term, we can see that in most countries uh, in Europe and all over the world, uh, unemployment is growing uh, and uh, also what we call short-time work. So shortening of working hours is growing. Um, we have seen... Um, a lockdown of a lot of industries in Germany, even though not all of them. And of course, uh, Germany especially is heavily dependent on exports and uh, with global markets going down, this has a severe effect on the economy in Germany. So unemployment is um, rising and we are in an economic crisis that's following the health crisis which um, affects uh, the German export um, sector especially heavily. And um, so that is the short-term effect we can see when we look at the German labor market. But that is not so much different than um, is in other countries. And I think that is a crisis that affects most of uh, our economies and labor markets. And could you say a little bit more about the situation in Europe? Um, I mean, one thing that many people have observed is a difference in the way that the American and the European governments have tended to approach the the economic side of the crisis. Um, you know, the way in you mentioned already this notion of uh, short work programs. Could you say a little bit more about what that is and why it's different from what's happened in the U.S.? Yes, sure. Um, 
the, the so-called short work programs um, have already been introduced uh, in Germany in uh, the uh, economic crisis following the financial crisis in 2018. Um, and in this uh, great recession, um, this uh, program was uh, heavily used in Germany and since then has also spread to other European countries and in the current situation used in a lot of countries. The basic idea behind this um, concept is that it's better to keep um, workers in the company, um, have them on a working contract, even though um, they might not work um, the same amount uh, of time as they did before, uh, or even um, go to what we call zero hour uh, of short-term uh, work. Um, the scheme is working as follows. Um, if you go on short time work, the, for the hours you do not work, and that might be up to 100%, as I just said, um, you are, um, get, um, a scheme of payment, which is uh, 60% of your usual income for that hour or for um, families with children, even 67%. So um, people are not laid off. They stay in the work contract. Um, they get a, um, a decent amount of money to keep uh, their, their families afloat. Um, and for the companies, the good thing is that when the uh, economy starts again, and we have seen that after the financial crisis, when the world market started growing again, um, the companies uh, in Europe um, should then be able to kickstart um, their production again uh, when the demand is coming back because they have um, their workers still um, in their companies and uh, could be on the production line in the next day. Um, the programs are sometimes combined and that makes it even more effective um, if they are combined with qualification measures taken during the time of the short time work, because then you could have a even better skilled workforce than before the crisis coming back immediately <clears throat> to production uh, when the crisis uh, is over and demand is uh, growing again. And um, so now in Europe, a lot of countries do have similar schemes of short-term work, which mean people are not going into unemployment and instead of getting unemployment benefits, get this short-time um, benefits but are kept in the companies. Um, and this is one of the measures taken also to um, diminish the social effects of uh, the crisis for, for families in our countries in Europe. You say it's one of the measures that's being taken. Can you talk about others? Another important measure, there, there are several of them. Um, some are also, if you are becoming unemployed or have to um, um, apply for um, welfare um, assistance that is made uh, easier, for example, in Germany. So bureaucracy has been cut down um, in this time. But what might be even more important is that there's also um, a benefit um, scheme for people who cannot go to work, not because um, the production is down, but because they have children to take care of. And that uh, when these children cannot go to school or to kindergarten, um, there's a subsidy for parents um, <clears throat> for um, 
on the same amount as on the short-term work, so of 67% uh, of the uh, former income, um, if ch parents cannot go to work because they have to take care of their children, do homeschooling, etc. Um, this scheme was introduced now for the first time in Germany during this crisis and uh, has just been prolonged so that uh, <clears throat> parents can receive this um, assistance over a period of uh, 10 weeks maximum and single parents even of 20 weeks maximum to overcome the immediate impact of the crisis on families. I mean, as you probably know, there's a fair amount of uh, political polarization in the United States around, among other things, the kinds of policies that are going to be adopted with regard to these kinds of considerations, uh, keeping people in employment, um, you know, support for people who are out of work, etc. Um, I wonder whether that's the case in Germany, or is, it, is this more kind of a consensus policy? That it's more or less a, a consensus policy. Um, it's supported um, within the government. We have uh, in Germany government that's made up of the two major parties, but also um, um, supported by the major part of the opposition. Um, and probably it is the case because it's not been uh, used for the first time. And uh, because, of course, it's very popular it is also possible uh, on financial means because we had a very long period of prosperity, economic prosperity in Germany, which includes that public budgets are in a good shape. That is diff different and uh, thus more difficult for some other countries in Europe, especially in Southern Europe, like in Italy and Spain, which have been particularly hit hard by the um, coronavirus um, crisis when it comes to the, 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 the number of people affected as well as the economic effects. Um, there it is um, more controversial to give put so much uh, public money on the table and support families. But in Germany, it's um, a lot of consensus around it. Also because, um, as I said in the very beginning, we had this very positive experience that also for economic reasons, these kind of problem, programs seem to be um, successful um, as we've seen uh, in the uh, Great Recession after 2008. I see. So, um, you know, part of the reason I ask is that we're seeing more reports of protests in Germany along the lines that one has seen in the United States, uh, basically around the issue of reopening the economy. And um, so I was wondering whether that strikes you as a significant kind of development, or is that more of a kind of marginal phenomenon, as in some ways it actually is in the United States as well, based on the findings of polls and surveys that ask people whether they support, you know, the stay-at-home measures as opposed to going back to work? Um, I, th I think, um, of course, there are this uh, protests in, in Germany as well. And uh, I would say they're, they're relevant. It's not uh, just a very small minority. Um, politically, it's a very mixed um, group of people um, going to the streets there. Um, some, it's uh, people that are following very strange uh, theories about uh, the causes of the crisis, 
um, when you have people that are just um, annoyed by uh, the need to stay home um, and uh, even all these fiscal measures I um, just mentioned, um, they might reduce the stress you have at, if you have to stay at home with the family, etc. But of course, um, they do not make this uh, stress disappear completely. So there are people who uh, simply uh, want to go back to normal life. And then you have some uh, right-wing uh, political parties that are trying to benefit from this. Um, and that is why they mobilize to this kind of protest. So it's a rather mixed group going on the into the streets there and, and also rather mixed um, mix of reasons uh, for the people to, to, to go there. So I would not, uh, I, I do take them serious. And of course, there have been already some uh, measures um, that loosen uh, the, the, the lockdown and the, the um, provisions that make you stay at home and also um in, uh, in the economy, a lot of uh, production has already started. Even schools are opening at least partly. Um, so uh, there is a discussion, of course, to prevent um, a second wave uh, of the virus coming uh, back to the country and at the same time to try to um, find a way to slowly and um, with the all the security measures needed to reopen um, the life in the society and in the economy again. Right. Well, that's the next question I really wanted to ask, which, uh, I mean, it seems that in many ways, every place that at least is on the so-called backside of the curve or the slope is, although some states in the United States, this is really not true of, but uh, the, the general momentum is towards you know, re reopening. And uh, I wonder if you could tell us what that looks like in Germany. Yes, um, we have, um, we, we have the, um, most of the shops open uh, during all time um, of the pandemic. Um, we have now seen a reopening um, of um, production sites with, and maybe we can talk about that too, with some special measures to try to prevent infections uh, at workplaces, which is an important issue, of course, um, also in Germany. And now we've just recently seen that um, schools are opening up for at least part of the children. So um, I can tell from my own daughter's experience um, that that um, some classes are going back to school, but they are divided into groups so um, that uh, school students can keep the distance and um we are far from um, having all the, the students back in schools because then the schools weren't, wouldn't be, um, haven't, wouldn't have uh, enough space to, to keep the distance there. So it's a very careful and cautious um, opening of the schools. Kindergartens are not opened yet, except for um, children of parents who work in uh, medical and other um, relevant um workplaces and uh, since last weekend we even have um, restaurants um, reopened again but there again with um, <clears throat> distance between the tables with uh, personnel wearing masks so there's a cautious reopening as well and some other places like bars etc and uh, uh, 
sports clubs, etc., they are not reopened yet. And um, the government also introduced some key um, indicators saying that if in one Landkreis, which is comparable to a county in the US, um, the numbers start going up again, uh, then this um, opening measures have to be taken back and uh, the, the, the lockdown has to be reestablished. So um, that's the way the, the German government and the, and the German situation is going in, into this loosening uh, and um, relaxing of, of the measures. Right. I mean, in many ways, it seems as though the uh, reopening is more complicated than shutting things down and locking things down was. I mean, the first was kind of a sledgehammer, and this is this reopening requires much more nuanced kind of consideration of all kinds of factors, whether people can go to work, if their children don't have childcare, et cetera, et cetera. I wanted to ask you uh, whether or not the uh, situation uh, in the reopening isn't one in which uh, there might be new opportunities for work. So many people in the current situation have been thinking about, you know, new possibilities, new ways to structure the economy uh, and that sort of thing uh, coming out of this crisis. Uh, and many of them harken back to the experience of the New Deal and, um, um, you know, how to um, you know, put people back to work. And uh, it strikes me that there may be situations in which uh, there may be even new occupations that didn't really exist before. So like contact tracers, um, of which we need many, many uh, people to, uh, you know, track down the contacts of people who've tested positive and try to isolate those people and, and, and all that. Uh, so I wonder whether there are examples of this kind of thing where the reopening leads to putting people to, back to work in doing things perhaps that they weren't doing before um, and that might help, you know, lead the way in, in employment terms out of the crisis. Well, I think it's very hard to tell uh, right now which will be the jobs of the future that uh, will uh be created after the crisis. Um, at the moment, we are dealing very much with um, what is currently happening with the reopening um, and what needs to be done there. We just had uh, seen that the reopening works quite well when it comes to um, keeping uh, safe and healthy workplaces, except for some sectors. We had the very strong uh, problems seen in the meat processing um, industry where we had a lot of uh, people being infected due to working conditions, the problem that has been a lot of subcontracting and um, especially migrant workers in, in living conditions that are help to spread the virus. And uh, so now there are measures taken to make sure that uh, these practices are stopped in the working conditions are improved. Um, generally speaking, I think there's a huge understanding in Europe that the quality um, of the public sector of um, health and uh, care um, activities um, is very important and has helped to deal with the crisis. And you could see that the quality of the health sector has a direct effect of 
uh, on the number of uh, deaths through the virus. Um, but we also seen that we uh, need um, different kind of care facilities for the elderly, for children to be improved. So I think that are sectors that are growing. Um, a second thing I think is that um, the digitalization of uh, the economy and of workplaces um, got a huge boost uh, through the crisis. I mean, a lot of people um, significantly more than before, about double or, or even threefold as before, um, have been working uh, in some kind of remote work or working at home during the crisis. And I think that will not go back to uh, the starting point. We've seen um, a platformization uh, of delivery services uh, uh, during the crisis when people did not want to go to shops. And also this will not go back to zero. Um, and we can, we've seen that there are possibilities um, especially in the digital economy um, that uh, have not been used uh, to the full before. And I think that will be growing sectors and that might include also um, developing uh, tools for, for tracking viruses, but also other improvements uh, in the health and other services sectors, especially. So um, I think the, the, the way people will work will change and um, the, um, the change we've already seen before um, moving from, let's say, more traditional jobs to more um, tech-oriented um, jobs, more digital jobs, I think this um, there has been a boost for the, this kind of uh, developments uh, in Germany. A lot, of course, is then dependent on the recovery measures um, taken by governments um, in Europe, also by the European Union. Um, where um, there is quite a debate now on where to channel um, this um, recovery funds to. In Germany, we have, a, as you probably know, a large car industry, and there has been a lot of um, discussion whether this uh, the, the stimulus measures should be directed only uh, to uh, new kind of cars that are more environmentally friendly, electric cars, etc. cetera, um, with the um, car industry arguing, no, we have to save the workplaces that are already there. But I think um, also a shift to a greener, more climate-friendly um, economy will be um, better. Yeah, there will be speeding up of this uh, process because um, public uh, investments will go to, to these kind of areas rather than the more traditional ones. So there will be changes. It's not easy to foresee it in full um, or already now, but um, there are some ideas I have about it. Interesting. So uh, I wanted to go back to the point you made about uh, the measures that were taken to uh, make workplaces safer. Um, you know, as you mentioned in Germany, there are issues about meatpacking plants. That's obviously been a major kind of issue here in the United States. Um, meatpacking plants seem to, at least until now, uh, seem to have operated in such a way that they just kind of naturally lent themselves to the transmission of a virus. Uh, and of course, restarting them, you know, has in part meant, uh, making them safer for the people who work there. Um, but this is a problem. And there's an article in this morning's New York times about, um, 
you know, similar problems in Amazon warehouses, for example. So this is a problem anywhere where large groups of people gather together, particularly inside. Um, So I'd be interested if you could, you know, tell us more about the measures that have been taken to make sure that those who are working in these workplaces are, you know, are feeling safe about that, because presumably that's going to be crucial to actually restarting the economy in a kind of more full-fledged way. Yeah, this is very important, and there are um, different um, aspects to it. One, of course, is the measures uh, taken um, to to distance people from each other. So, so try to keep a distance if that is not possible to have the necessary protection um, equipment, um, personal um, protection equipment for for the workers. Um, there at the workplaces, um, disinfection, etc. Of course, does play um, a role too. And um, but the second thing I think which is important is that the the workers have the feeling that um, that the voice is heard, and if they have a a bad feeling about the working conditions, that they have the opportunity to um, to put this on the table. And um, there in Germany, we do have a tradition um, of um, workers' voice in the companies, which is uh, different to the U.S. systems because we don't have. Um, uh, trade union representatives um, in, in the companies in the first place, but it's um, elected what we call works council where all workers elect um, a committee that is representing them. Uh, the people on the committee usually do have connections to the trade unions, but they do have the direct um, vote from from people so they can represent and then in the German labor law have a lot of rights also on health issues uh, to talk with management about whether they think uh, the measures are sufficient and uh, this also leads over the long term to what we call a social partnership between management and workers representatives that work out strategies together and this is also happening uh, in uh, factories and other workplaces uh, in germany right now um to to try to find a, a common strategy between management and uh, workers to um, to make sure that uh, there's an approach that keeps the um, production starting again on the one hand side, but also giving the workers the feeling that they are protected in the best way uh, they can. And we can see um, that in workplaces where this workers' representation isn't there or doesn't work as well and some um, Amazon warehouses in Germany too belong to this uh, group. Um, there, it's much more difficult um, to really agree on measures um, that uh, protect the workers in a way they um, are safe and they feel safe. So, I wonder, um, against the background of your comments uh, regarding the move towards greater automation and digitalization of the workplace. Uh, I guess I wonder whether you see, whether you're optimistic or pessimistic about, you know, positive changes coming out of this. I mean, 
one argument, of course, has been that uh, digitalization destroys jobs and um, puts people out of work. And Andrew Yang, a, a presidential candidate here, was basically arguing that we needed a universal we need a universal basic income because digitalization was going to put all kinds of people out of work. Now people are arguing for a universal basic income because it turns out it puts an an, uh, an income floor under people who are without a floor really in many ways at the moment um so there you know there's a certain amount of talk about positive uh consequences coming out of this crisis uh but of course things could also you know not go in those kinds of directions and i just wonder from the point of view of a german analyst you know how you think about that The question would be worth a complete separate podcast, but uh, to try to be brief in answering it, um, in, in the long-term effects, I'm very optimistic that digitalization and also automation, if it takes away some of the more um, routine and dangerous uh, and stu stupid parts of your work could have very um, positive effects. And I'm also convinced that um, we will see that the number of jobs, uh, in overall number of jobs, will not be decreasing through automation. We have been going through different waves of automation before, and uh, the number of jobs uh, in Germany, at least, and in most parts of Europe, rather increased than decreased. So I'm optimistic uh, generally. But we do see, of course, um, frictions in the transition. We will see and already do see people losing their job. They need to be reskilled and upskilled, and they need uh, support in this uh, phase of transition. And um, I think that's what now uh, most European countries try to do in the short term when people go to, through this uh, transition. That means that uh, they cannot work at all or can only work uh, less, but we also need measures to uh, make sure that people go through this more general transition from jobs that might be disappearing, or at least um, a lot of jobs will not disappear, I'm convinced, but rather will change. The task you do will change, and that requires a lot of um, support for workers to adjust uh, to new tasks they need to do. They need to qualify even if at an older age. And this cannot uh, be done with a, without a lot of support and uh, from both um, the company side and the, the public uh, uh, side. We already have a scheme in the German unemployment um, insurance system, which has just been introduced, which uh, says you can... Um, get a requalification not only in the case you're already unemployed which like it has been in the past but if your job is endangered to uh, disappear you can um, get a qualification paid by your unemployment insurance even if you're still on the, on the job and this kind of proactive labor market policies i think are crucial to make sure that the frictions and downsides um, of digitalization, of automation are uh, softened and um, that it will enable people to go into this new era of work, which is coming and uh, which I think can be uh, better than uh, we've seen it before. Um, but we need measures to support people through the transitions. 
Well, thank you very much. I mean, uh, it's terrific to end on this uh, rather optimistic note. Uh, it's just sort of an indication that wise and thoughtful public policy can make a huge difference in these kinds of circumstances. And uh, I hope you're right about the optimistic scenarios that you've just laid out for us. So I want to thank Torben, uh, Torben Albrecht of the German Social Democratic Party for sharing his perspective on the coronavirus pandemic pandemic and its consequences uh, on the economy and on work in Germany. I also want to thank Christo Voinov for helping on the technological side. And this is John Torpy of the Ralph Bunch Institute for International Studies saying see you next time on International Horizons. Bye-bye.